Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. Did I do that? Ralph Ralph Wiggum. I was going to say Ralph Wiggum. My God, Steve Urkel. Anyway, and we are here this week with Bright Side of the Suns for the fans by the fans podcast. And we're running a little late this week, but we couldn't go without sharing our thoughts on what, Paul? Devin Booker's uh, 70-point explosion against the Celtics the other night. Which we're watching highlights of right now. I was going to say the signing of Jarrell Eddy, but not, we're uh, not, are we going to talk about that? We just did. Okay. That's a, <laughs> I don't, still don't know who he is. But at any rate, yes, Devin Booker sure how to spell went off for 70 the other night, 27 years to the day from when Tom Chambers set the previous franchise record for points in a game, which was 60, in a game which I was at. So I, I thanks a lot, Devin Booker, for taking that memory and kind of like dilu- diluting it. it a little bit. But that's fine, totally worth it, because it was a fantastic game played by him uh, overall. I mean, they only lost by 10, so I guess it could have been worse. But, uh, you know, he had a pretty efficient 70 points, 21 for 40 from the field, 4 for 11 from 3. Shot 26 free throws, made 24 of them, which you can't complain about, and also had eight rebounds, six assists, three steals, and one, what I think was a really, really good block. Um, so, Paul, jump right into it. No chit-chat, no nothing. What do you think about that game from Devin Booker? Well, it was definitely a game. I mean, I kind of tuned out the game after a while when I first saw the score was like 25-6. to six. Yeah, like, that'll do it. I was like, eh, I think I'm maybe we'll just kind of check in occasionally on this one. And then somewhere around the third quarter, I was flipping through Twitter, and I saw that Booker was going off. And I'm like, oh, now I think it's time to pay attention. And I uh, flipped the game back on, watched the rest of it, and it was it was just fun, man. I mean, I, I know the Suns lost, which helps the Suns in other ways too, but it was just fun to watch him just eviscerate the Celtics defense. Yeah, I mean, he he played very well and it was perhaps the perfect game for the Suns, a loss, 70 from Booker and we get to hear Isaiah Thomas bitch and whine about how we were the Suns were, you know, stopping Chucking. the clock at the end of the game and Chuck please, Isaiah Thomas is complaining about somebody trying to get stats. Yeah, I mean, if he was in the same situation, he would do the exact same thing. He would have been doing. He would have been taking the fouls himself. Ulis fouled him a couple times. Isaiah Thomas would have been definitely doing the fouling on his own. And forget about Gerald Green. We don't even talk about what he would be doing, right? Yeah, it was. It was really nice to watch him be so surgical against 
the the Celtics, especially after having a couple games where he was less than efficient, mm-hmm. and you started to kind of wonder, particularly with the shorthanded Suns the way they were, he was the primary focus, similar to how he he was last year on offense at the end of the year when everybody was injured that teams just started were able to focus on him and just kind of shut him down a little bit because there weren't any other threats. So it was nice to see that even in that situation when they put their best defender in Marcus Smart on him and he just he lit him up. I mean, he couldn't do anything against him. And and in my estimation, more importantly than how Booker was the focus at the end of last year is how he was the focus more or less, I guess, at the beginning of this year when he was struggling. And what we saw during that game was a completely def- different Devin Booker, and I think the stats certainly tell that because, I mean, the dude went to the free-throw line 26 times. I rewatched the fourth quarter uh, earlier today, and he got most of his points based off of aggressive play, driving, driving, taking a step back, driving, getting fouled, and getting the free throw line. I think he made one, maybe two threes. I think it might have just been one. No, I mean in the fourth quarter. quarter, Sorry. Yeah. So it it, it was him sitting back and going, these guys know I can make the shot. I'm going to attack, which I've said before. I'll say again now, and I'll say again in the future, I'm sure, is where I think Devin Booker's strength needs to be in the future because we know the kid can shoot. It's just a matter of him then taking advantage of his shot, not only by being able to make it, by but by being able to keep the defenders who defend him honest, whether it be you come up on me, I'm going to drive past you, I'm going to attack the rim, or if you sag off me, I'm going to take the shot and make it. And I think in that 70-point outburst in particular, well, I shouldn't even say in particular in the fourth quarter because, I mean, he shot a number of free throws in the fourth quarter, but he shot 26 for the game. That's indicative of somebody who's going at his defender and not just settling for a jump or not just relying on his ability to make three-pointers and taking bad shots. You don't score 70 points on 40 field goal attempts by being irresponsible with your shot-making decisions. Right, and I mean, I mean, I got to say it, it was kind of Kobe-esque the way he did it kind of it was Very. totally Kobe. Yes. <laughs> well i mean without i guess without a game similar to kobe's you really can't in today's nba score that many points because it really does take a very like be able to go inside be able to back your guy down be able like have every facet of scoring mm-hmm. available to you to get points that high including as you said the, the free throws and getting those fouls mm-hmm. getting that those points when the clock is stopped to really get up, get points up that high. I mean, it took, this is the high most points scored in a game since what, what was it? 2006, I believe. 2006. And the last and time, who was that? And the, but the last Kobe, time before that, Kobe was, to answer right, my own yeah. question. Thanks I was, Paul. I was just getting to the point. The Go last on. Sorry. Time before that was in the 80, late eighties, I think. Was that when Dave Robinson did it? It was like late eighties. That, that that I don't know. It was a long time. Would you it's, like me to have our statistician, statistician statistician look it up? Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Real quick. <laughs> but anyways, the it's very rare to see somebody score this many points in a game. So I don't know if 
we'll see something like this in a in a decade or more. So it's just the fact that he did it and he was he's twenty. I mean, that's crazy to me. Just how he was able to do it at that young of an age and just what it potentially leads to from the standpoint of what can come in the future. My quick research tells me that it was before Kobe, 71 by David Robinson and 93-94. Okay. So, but still. Lo- still. That's roughly 23 years. Right. Per, exactly. Per explosion like this. Which is something special. It's definitely something special. And you could tell that the fans in Boston, notwithstanding the fact that apparently some of the Celtics did not like it, uh, were very enthusiastic, very supportive. They were going nuts. I've never seen – well, I guess I shouldn't say I've never seen because, you know, you go to Phoenix sporting events and you have a lot of transplants from other cities, so there are a lot of fans of other teams. But I don't know if I've ever seen the Suns in a – road environment to get cheers that Devin Booker was getting towards the end of that game, especially when the three-pointer was called off or made and then called off. There was some some heavy emotional reaction right there from <laughs> the Boston fans. That was fans. a very Boston reaction, but weirdly for not the Boston team. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really interesting to watch that when I realized as I was watching the game that, oh my God, the crowd is... Uh, like 99.9% Boston fans and they're cheering for Booker like hard mm-hmm. and booing when things <laughs> went against him. And, and to Eddie Johnson who was doing the play by or the color for the uh, TV crew, obviously uh, to his credit, he said, I, I want to say like halfway through the fourth quarter, he's like, just, just wait a little bit. These fans are going to start turning and and cheering for Devin Booker, and sure enough, that happened. Yeah, I mean, and I, similarly, Tyson Chandler said it uh, after the game when he uh, posted on Instagram about how people complaining about us are lo- the Suns losing, and he's like, "I just watched a twenty-year-old kid turn the garden, the freaking garden, one of the." One of the hardest crowds in the NBA because you got a bunch of diehard fans in Boston there who, I mean, come on, everybody knows that Boston fan who's diehard for all their sports. That's that entire entire arena. That's the entire it's northeast. Entire town. Well, except for like New York and New Jersey, I guess. But you know, but yeah, but to turn Massachusetts in the very least, all of them, yes, New England. To turn that crowd where they're literally actively essentially rooting against their team because they're, they understand they're watching history. That's one of those situations where it's like, okay, let's use a – I'll use an analogy. I think it's a good one. We'll find out if you is think it is. Is an analogy or a metaphor? Uh, <laughs> pretty sure an analogy. <laughs> yes, an analogy. We both went to the University of San Diego. We did. Are you rooting for Gonzaga to win a national championship? Nor am I. Never, never, never. I would never root for them in a million years. But Boston fans, and I'm, you know, national championship. You know, 70-point games more, I guess maybe not more infrequent than a national championship for a team like that. But you know what I mean. You're not going to root against 
the team that you support. root for, that you support, uh, to see another team succeed, unless something truly special is happening. Right. And that's what was happening on Friday was something that was truly special. And I give credit to the Boston fans because I know a lot of Boston fans, and I don't, I don't enjoy listening <laughs> to them talk about Boston sports. Yeah, especially but, in the last decade. Yeah, especially the last decade. They've gotten incredulous. Incredulous is very true, but you know, you got again. You got to give them credit, and at the same time, they had they had the game won. Yeah, cut it down to ten at uh, a couple points yeah. there in the fourth, but the game was never really in doubt. But at the same time, you know, it's like I'm going to use another example from our life. Remember, two thousand and one, we were at that no hitter against the Padres, right? I was rooting my ass off for I don't remember who it was, but it was someone from St. Louis. It was St. Louis. I don't remember what the pitch, who the pitcher was. Not a clue. I love the fact that we got to see that no hitter. My dad's so pissed that I've seen a no hitter and he hasn't. He's he's gone to so many more baseball games than me, and he's like, "You saw a no hitter? I hate you." If he would have just gone to like every game Randy Johnson ever pitched in Arizona, he would have at least seen. He hates the Diamondbacks. Well, you know what? That's his own fault. That's his own fault. He's a Yankees fan. It's his own fault. After two thousand one. That's, I'm, I'm just saying. I know. He, he had his chances. I know. Um, but, no, it's you see something historic. You want to be there as a sports fan to enjoy it. And if you can't, then that's that's unfortunate. And if right. you want to react like some of the Boston players did, I even mean, though I, again, feel like they're being completely, completely hypocritical because they would both right. – excuse me, did I say both? Am I talking about two specific ones? They would. Both. They would. Um, <laughs> probably any of them would be doing the same thing. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of silly. And, and I, I mentioned this earlier. I was listen when the game was going on live. I was in my car. I was listening. I was listening on Sirius, so I happened to get the Boston feed. Cedric Maxwell, who is the color commentator for the Boston radio team, I guess. At the end of the game, was like, well, you know, it's a good feat, but you know, you lose some respect when you do it the way that you did it, because the Suns fouled twice and called a timeout in the in the last minute. So I'm sorry, bro. I don't know. First of all, apparently he played in the NBA. I had no idea. I'm guessing he probably never scored 70 points in a game. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he never scored 15. Hey, well, hey, Devin statistician Booker, will look it up while you're talking, Paul. Go. Devin Booker did score more points in a game than LeVar Ball scored in his entire college career. But what would I? The other thing I wanted to bring up was, but LeVar LeVar Ball got didn't he get cut? So he didn't get to finish his college career. So he maybe would have scored seventy. This is true. <laughs> but the point I was gonna get to was, I'm pretty sure that when Wilt scored his hundred. They did a lot of the same things, and I don't remember the game well. I probably wasn't watching it at the time, but I would not have been surprised. I'm pretty sure they did a lot of the same stuff when Kobe scored his his 81 points, or was it 82? 81. 81. But maybe. And I have to – I'm a man when I'm wrong. <laughs> If Cedric Maxwell ever hears this, I apologize. He scored more than 70 points in his NBA career. Apparently, he was the uh, NBA Finals MVP in 1981. (laughs) He had his number retired by the Celtics. You know, whatever. Same difference. He still never scored 70 in a game. That part I got right. But – And I still disagree with his whole thought process of, 
blah blah blah. And 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 plus, you look at it. Well, I you know we we can agree that the game was really never in question. It wasn't in the old deep freeze, as Al McCoy would say. Right. Ten point game with less than two minutes left at one point, and the less than one minute left at another point. And, and with the way Booker was shooting, exactly, exactly. So yeah, we've, you know we've seen crazier stuff happen. We have like Reggie who, Miller, Reggie Miller, and who T Mac? Yeah, exactly. So. He can think what he wants. I'm going to disagree. And I thought it was, frankly, a little Bush League of him to, from my perspective, go on the air and try to discredit a 20-year-old kid for scoring 70 points in an NBA game. He's freaking 20. I mean, I I just keep coming back to the fact the kid is 20. He literally, like, how many records did he break in just that one game? Like, half a dozen? Between, I can think of three off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's more. I mean, most points most points by a kid somebody under 21 broke Suns. Probably also then most points by a kid somebody under 22. Well, <laughs> I, I'm shut, shut up. But, shut but, up, Justin. Shut up. They use the arbitrary drinking age. I know. That's, Your pool pump just turned on really loudly. Yeah, we need to get that fixed. But um, so you got most points by a player under twenty one. You've got most points in franchise history in a game. In most history, points, points in, in a half. half. Possibly, I think most points in a quarter for the Suns. If it is, then he tied his own record because he scored twenty eight right. earlier this year. In a um, he's one of <laughs> six players ever to score seventy. It's just oh, let me ask you this question, Paul. Five five players in Phoenix Suns history have scored more than fifty. Can you name them? Here's a hint. Devin Booker's one. Tom, Tom Chambers, Chambers is another. Amari Stoudemire is three. Mm-hmm. Did, did Nash score nope. 50 in the playoffs? Nope. No. What did he score in that Dallas game where he went insane? Probably like 46. I don't know. I don't know. I remember that game, though. I was watching that, I believe, at... Uh, where are we going? Wednesday nights in college. Wednesday nights in college? Yeah. Uh, Guava Beach? Guava Beach. <laughs> I watched a game at Guava Beach. Anyway... Um. Do you give up? Is that is that a yes? Nod your head if that's a yes. So the other two, and I never would have got this either. Well, maybe I would. Cliff Robinson and and Tony Delk. Cliff Robinson scored fifty. Delk fifty one. That's one of those things where you think back on like. The history of the Suns. I knew about Tony Delk, but that's only because I heard it recently and or read it recently and all the other uh, point, lit- point literature about what just happened the other night. Where you know, I feel like Tony Delk's probably somewhere like wherever he lives right now, like googling himself and be <laughs> like, "Oh, somebody mentioned me in a podcast." Yeah. Beautiful. Um, but at any rate, he definitely has Google alerts for his name. So, what? You don't know what a Google Alert is? Oh, I thought you said Google Rights. I do know what a Google Alert is. I, I, I know very few things when it comes to pop culture and social media, but that's one thing that I do have uh, pinned down. So let me bring up one point that I don't think has been mentioned a whole lot in terms of what Devin Booker did in that game the other night, 
And uh, that was the fact that he also played some pretty good defense there, particularly in the fourth quarter. Um, He also didn't score in the fourth quarter until there was nine minutes left. And that was off of a very, very, very nicely played bait. Uh, He baited Terry Rozier, is that right? Rozier. Rozier into passing the ball, you know, kind of mid-court area. Got the steal, took it down for an and one, uh, and then uh, also had a uh, as as you're kind of starting to say it, he's picking up on this whole chase down block thing. Had a very nice chase down block of Isaiah Thomas, uh, which was preceded by a fantastic pass by Booker that should have been a very easy layup, but Allen Williams missed. It happens. He still got a double double, I think. I think so. Yeah, he definitely got one tonight. So yeah, he still has more double doubles than like a week and a Alex half Lynn. than Alex Len has in his career, whatever. So Devin Booker showed a lot of promise, showed a lot of promise. He shows a lot of flashes of the ability to become a really, really well-rounded, well-rounded player, decent to above average defender. Uh, and I don't know if I'll ever get to above average, but decent, at least like at least Lee average. I don't know. Okay. I mean, he's twenty. He's twenty. I can I just point out. I feel like we had the same conversation about four months ago, and I was the one being like, "I don't know if Devin Booker is going to be the one to uh, lead this team." You know, blah blah blah. And now here I am being like, "He's going to be a above average <laughs> defender." You're like, "I don't know about that." <laughs> I feel like we just have to disagree with each other. That's well, I mean, he, he's gonna. Part of that's also. I expect him to be the one kind of taking the scoring load, and it's really hard to be the guy who takes the scoring load and makes sure leads that portion of the team, and also He'd still be above average though, above average, maybe above average. That's not that's he's not. still going to be. The goal would probably be to build a team around him where he is on the worst of the three guard to wing players. Like if, I'm like, think I'm thinking. Like, okay, I guess. Like let's let's say we draft Josh Jackson. Okay. And we still have Eric Bledsoe. We do. Devin Booker is going to guard whoever is the worst offensive player of the point guard through small forward position on a nightly basis. Hmm. I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with that. It's basically – I just look at it from the standpoint of – remember Nash? Nash was not a great defender. He yeah. had very – he had good – Well, and that's kind of – you're getting good. you're getting to the point of as to why I don't agree with that. Why don't you agree? You just think Booker because will be if you, defender than Nash? Well, Jesus, I hope so. <laughs> yes, Pretty sure he is already. Yeah. But, but, but – um, and I can see where you're going because Booker is also bigger. I, I think James Harden. I, oh, James Harden literally like doesn't play defense. I mean, I'm not saying he won't actively not play defense. Conceptually, <laughs> conceptually, in the he's going to be focused on the offense. He will try on defense, but so he, he won't just waste. he won't just stand there and lose his guy every possession. Every possession. Okay, you know what? I can I can deal with that. I, maybe not to that extreme, but <laughs> just just from that standpoint of. He, his talents are focused elsewhere. 
his energy is focused down. Okay. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. But I, I, I still don't see them putting him on like the the. If if uh, I'm trying to think of an example players, but I can't really think of one right now. Tony Allen. Um, no. <laughs> Tony, Tony Allen. Oh, if you're going to defend a player in the backcourt of Memphis, so okay, well let's let's do this then. Let's do this then. (laughs) So if he's going to defend, so Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, right? So you're saying he gets put on Iguodala? Yeah. Hmm. Right now he's not because they don't have that third that second defender. I mean, between him and Warren, who's going to guard one of those guys, it's kind of a toss-up because they're both kind of eh yeah. from a defensive perspective. But you get a better... The goal would be... But here's the thing. is like, okay, what about, like... Okay, Clay Thompson is a... Andre Iguodala is way more athletic than Clay Thompson. Right. Wouldn't you want to put Devin Booker on Clay Thompson? Clay Thompson's not going to drive past Devin Booker, Right. Right, but Andre Iguodala doesn't have the ball in his hands that much, and if he's using his athleticism, it's not. So you're saying he's not going to wear him out on defense, right? Okay, so it's not a matter of trying to keep the team from scoring the other team from scoring more points as much as it's a matter of not exhausting Devin Booker on defense. That. You should have that. said that at the, well, that's at the pa- get-go. That's part Makes of more it, sense. But at the same time, you want your Eric Bledsoe's or your Sean Marion's or whatever on those better. Well, you're combining like a whole bunch of generations now. Well, I, I'm Neil Walk. Let's throw Neil Walk out there. I'm going. I'm going back Gar-herd. to of Nash benefited by having Roger Bell and Sean Marion there, who could guard those players. Around, but I think that's a different comparison because Nash also couldn't defend some of those other players size wise. This is true, but Nash also couldn't defend most of the point guards in the league either because he wasn't fast enough. Why? Why do we even keep Nash on the team then? Because he's amazing <laughs> offensively. <laughs> the same reason you keep J.R. Smith on a team. J.R. Smith still on a team? Yeah. Jesus. He won a championship, man. Well, they didn't wear a shirt for a year. No, but right now? Is he yeah. playing right now? <laughs> still, he's still in Cleveland? No, oh, that's why. So He's not really playing. He's back. He's back. He's back. People missed him. Um, they did. All right. So I get your point. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it. I mean... I don't agree with your analogy. I mean, team defense in the NBA does take time. Absolutely. And part of it's... Part of it is legitimately having somebody in the back, like quarterbacking it from like the center position. Well, here's a question: So, was Kobe good at defense? For a while, yeah. Is LeBron good at defense? Yeah, when he wants. So to be. why 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 do you think that Devin Booker can't be an ab- above average defender? Athleticism. I don't think he's athletic as either of those guys. I feel like you're. Very much underestimating Devin Booker's athleticism. I think you might be underestimating LeBron's athleticism. But you. (laughs) 
first of all, I'm not because <laughs> LeBron James is a freak. Second of all, is being a good defender all about athleticism? No. Bruce Bowen? Oh, wait, no, that was all about just stepping under people shooting jumpers. Roger Bell is not a great athlete, great defender. No, and I mean, he he can get better, but there's also, like, I just don't think he will get better. demonstratively better. He He... Do you really think that he can't be an above-average defender? Like, that's not exactly a high bar. Who do you consider an average... Hold on, let me ask you this. Who do you consider an average defender? Average defender. Right, say average defender. You're putting me on the spot here. I'm... Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you a different way to help you. (laughs) Who do you think would be a notch below and a notch above Devin Booker on the defensive ability spectrum on this Suns right now? On the Suns right now, a notch below him would probably be TJ Ward. Okay, and a notch above? Tyler Eulis. So you can so Ty, Tyler is Ulis, Tyler is really good at is, defense. So he's not he's not above average. He's better than above average. Well, I don't think Devin Booker is above average. No, I'm right I'm now. no, I'm asking you a question. Not independent of Devin Booker, is Tyler Ulis above average or is he better than above average? Well, you asked a notch. I'm asking you a question right now. Is Tyler Ulis above average or is he better than above average? You mean so? He, are you asking if he's above average or elite? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Whatever you think is the next step above above average, is he that or is he above average? I would say for his position and for his size, he's above average. So Tyler uses an above average defender. That's yes. it. Yes. Okay. So you don't think that Devin Booker in his career will get to the level that Tyler Tyler Ulis is on defense right now? Okay, fair enough. That's all. That's and I think Tyler Hughes can get better. Okay. He's pesky. He is pesky. Granted, because of their different physiologies, I think part of Ulysses' ability to be a good defender is because he can get in a guy's shirt. Right, literally. He, literally. Maybe into but like he, some he of the shorts, so too. so close... And he can, like, really mess with them because he's so small that whereas Booker's length, he doesn't have the quickness. What's – what's – sorry, go on. Finish and then I'm going to ask you Maybe he can develop I'm gonna, fast I'm gonna, hands I'm like gonna, Jared I'm going to – He the quickest hands in the NBA like Jared Dudley. I'm going to make this very simple right now. Booker's best case scenario compared to a current NBA player, past NBA player, whoever, okay. who – Best case scenario? Um, no, let me take that back. What do you think he'll be? What do I think he'll be? Off- defensively? Yeah. We've been talking about defense for the past 15 well, minutes. I, I didn't know if you were talking defensively or like whole package. Um, Defensively, I'd probably say Stephen Curry. Okay. 
an okay defender. Not above average. Not above average. So Actually, what I'd happen- probably call him an average defender. What happens if one of these days you tell me that you agree that Devin Booker is an above average defender? I will admit I was wrong and say Devin Booker's above average defender. Call me in a year and a half. Okay. 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 Or like text me. Text you. <laughs> or we'll discuss it on here. Or, or talk to me normally. Whatever. Okay. So that was a lot of time on Devin Booker's defense considering the homeboy <laughs> just scored 70. Yeah. One thing that I took away also from his 70-point game is the fact that as you alluded to earlier, or just stated earlier, he broke Eddie Johnson's franchise record for most points in a half. Eddie Johnson mentioned in the telecast that he looked him in the eye in Mexico City earlier this year and said he was going to do that. And that's one of the things that I had a big problem with in Booker earlier this year was his bravado, lack of confidence. He looked like he was forcing everything. He looked like he was just trying too hard. Uh, but... <laughs> When you tell a, I don't know if I can call him a Phoenix Suns legend, but a very, very, very strong historical figure in the Phoenix Suns that you're going to break one of his records, and it's not something that you're doing like you know, in front of a crowd of people or what have you. I think that shows confidence, and I think he is now kind of figured out how he needs to use that confidence in the NBA. And it's not a matter of forcing jumpers and taking stupid-ass shots. It's a matter of using your tools and being better, playing better than the players that you're, frankly, better than, which is what he did to get those 70 points the other day. He's going to become such a villain in the league. He already is. I know. He's got – who is the dude? I, oh, it's Jay Crowder. <laughs> First of all, who is that? Who is Jay Crowder? And why is his name spelled J A E? I don't That's know. Like jo- I don't know, but I keep thinking his, I keep thinking of Chowder every time I think of him. J Chowder, say it. Boston. Let's episode. Say it. Say Chowder. Anyway, yeah, no, he already is. I mean, he, he was chirping with dudes on the Boston bench at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Right, but before before it was oh, it's such a terrible thing to do and call a timeout and the fucking That's excuse me i'm talking about, I'm talking about we're gonna get to a point where remember how much we hated kobe for years I and mean, we got to a point in his later years when he was trailing off that we started to like learn to like respect his career mm-hmm. but in the throes of it we despised him but if you were a lakers fan you loved him yeah you would die for him. I feel like Booker could be the next generation of that. Yeah, that guy. No, I totally agree. But remember I, when? Remember when Booker did the whole? Who, who was that against? Uh, Grizzlies. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, I don't. I don't even know that. I don't even know that guy. He was on five, te- five teams in three years. Because he he pretty <laughs> much did what Kobe did after Raja clotheslined him. Yeah. And was like, who? Who? I don't know him. That's exactly what he did. And I said the exact same thing after Booker said that. I'm like, does that remind anybody else about when Kobe said, who's Raja Bell? And I think it's the same exact mindset. And you have to have that mindset if you want to be that great. And he has the mindset to be that great now. And it's funny. I was like, I go back four months ago, 
I was really concerned about this dude. Now, not so much. He's making me feel a lot better about stuff. He could have if he if he goes through a month of shitty games right now, I'm not going to be too worried about it because that whole mental block that I felt he had earlier this year, he's shown it was temporary. A copious amount of evidence. <laughs> It tells me that 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 was yeah. It was a temporary. Blip. It was a blip. It was I don't know. Who knows? A readjustment. He got a bad haircut and was just really <laughs> concerned about it. I don't he know. Needed to go from the three stripes to the one. All right. Yeah. Really exactly. <laughs> right. Now one stripe and he's back. It's all good. So he's he's instilling some confidence in you know now. Well, may, I might I might be reverse jinxing this. So if I am, then you know, in three weeks I'll be like mm, Defcon three, whatever. Well, but. Here's a question. So we're looking at Booker. We're looking at him kind of growing up in this league. I mean, he's only in year two. And we're starting to have those comparisons to to Kobe. And if you're going to compare to Kobe, I mean, you have to extend that to – Kobe was compared to Jordan because they had like virtually the same game. And Booker's starting to show some similarities to that. And I don't, I don't like to go down the Jordan route because yeah, everybody goes down the Jordan route. But Kobe and Jordan were assholes. Not just to opponents, but to their own teammates. I'm not seeing that in Booker. I'm seeing more of LeBron in Booker in Mm, that sense. Don't you dare say that. Devin Booker's not soft. I'm not going there. I'm I'm talking about how LeBron... Keeps his teammates totally like Kevin Love. He's been a big part of that group, and he's <laughs> done a really good job with with he with Eric Spoelstra down in down in Miami. You're totally right. LeBron is a good guy, <laughs> very much a team player. Okay, you want to rethink that, Paul? No, you should. That's insane. You know why? Because here's the thing: LeBron James is all about LeBron James. Kobe. This is inadvertent, giving you the finger. <laughs> Jordan, those guys are about winning. Those are that's that's the difference. That is a huge difference. Right, but their own teammates hated them, and I'm not seeing. That yeah, but before. they won titles. But they and won- before you say LeBron James won titles, LeBron James has won titles because he's relied on other people. Hands um, down. So and Kobe, Kobe and. Jordan also required... No, but I'm talking about relied on, like, sought out, like, the lack of a winner's mindset that LeBron has. <laughs> sought out other people so he could win titles. We're not totally kidding. different story. Devin Booker, LeBron James, that's not even a comparison. I'm, and I mean that. <laughs> I mean that. Mm-mm. I just I shocked you so much, right? And you have no response. I can see it. But were you what were, what were you going to try to say? I was trying to say that before you insulted Devin Booker so deeply. I <laughs> I find it interesting that on the one level where he is kind of developing into that kind of villain role of a get for opponents. I don't see him going down the same path that Kobe and Jordan did in that. All their teammates hated them too, and that and coaches had to worry about managing. It's a strong word too. I don't know. I'm pretty sure 
Steve Kerr may not have had the greatest relationship with Michael Jordan. There's seeing as Jordan punched him. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta but, punch I mean, somebody. You gotta, like you, gotta set there, straight. The stories are there about how the only person Jordan talked to was Scotty, and Scotty was the one who man was able to manage that relationship between between Jordan and the rest of the team because Jordan respected Scotty and Scotty was nice to everybody else. And you so, pro- go on. And I don't know what the situation was in LA, but probably had something to do with the fact that Shaq was a very magnanimous person and he he was on he was the star of the team. So, so what's your question? There was no question there, it was a statement. Okay. It's a long statement. Okay, maybe... How about this? What if he's just a combination of both? What if he's all the softness of LeBron James with all the winningness of Kobe Bryant? That's what I was trying to get to. Why did you say that four minutes ago? shut me down. I did not. You could have literally been like, what if he's a combination of Kobe and Jordan and LeBron? And I can't believe I just said that. that. I feel like now... Now we're screwed. <laughs> Jinx it all. LeBron in him? No, because we just made that comparison. <laughs> He's combination of like the three greatest. Players. I feel like we should edit this back to about thirty-two minutes and, and leave, leave all of this out. Yeah, put that in the archives where we never speak of it again until he becomes that. Then we're like, look, we we said this eight <laughs> years ago. Here you go. All right. So Paul thinks that Booker is going to be Kobe, Jordan, LeBron. I just think he's going to be really good, and everybody else is going to hate him, but his actual teammates are going to like him, which is not like Kobe. Wait, wait. Kobe, Jordan, and Phillip Rivers. <laughs> good example, Phillip Rivers. Everybody hates him, but his own teammates. Phillip Rivers is a great example. Well, he doesn't have any titles, but that's a whole different this story. Is, this is a whole different story. That's not his own fault. That is not his own not fault. His own that fault. is Dean Spanos' fault. Exactly. So, anyway, I think we've said it all about Devin Booker. We've kind of like psychologically evaluated him pretty deeply. Yeah. And I feel like we could probably close it up now. What do you think? Any any last thoughts, comments, opinions? I just really enjoyed watching that game and being because I don't know if I'll ever see anything like it for a long time or ever good chance probably won't not by very a good chance if Devin Booker does it again so he'd be the only other player to score more than 70 points besides he twice, scored, multiple times besides Will he, he not only scored 28 points in the fourth quarter he scored 28 points in the last nine minutes yeah. And I want, what was it, like 16 in the last two? 14 in the last two? There were a couple shots there that were like really close to going in. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, he had, he had two, two of his, two of the shots where he went to the free throw line almost went in. Then you have the three pointer that didn't go in. That's seven more points right there. There are a couple, there are, there are a couple other shots that kind of rimmed out that it happens. A millimeter here or there. He could have had. A lot more. Yeah. Millimeter that way. You missed entirely, though. Yeah. (laughs) 
I feel like that means that we're definitely drafting Josh Jackson, the fact that I just referenced that, right? <laughs> yes. Right? Okay. But at any rate, as always, you can catch me on Twitter at so says Jay, and Paul is at Dervish of World. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, have a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Game blouses. Take care, folks. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.